Chapter 16 of The Emancipation of South America by Bartolomé Mitre. Translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Chapter 16 Argentine Chileno Alliance, 1817. The alliance between Argentina and Chile, sealed with the blood of her soldiers in the assault of Talcahuano, is the most important factor of this epoch in the struggle for the emancipation of America, whether the objects of the alliance be spoken of, or whether its results be summed up. This alliance, the first celebrated in the new world between independent nations, was no artificial combination. It arose from the natural tendencies, and from the reciprocal interests of two peoples, and its effects were felt from Cape Horn to the equator. Never did two allied nations work more cordially together for one end. Never were greater deeds accomplished with such feeble resources. Without this alliance, the struggle for independence would either have failed or would have been indefinitely retarded. It originated in the help given by each country to the other in the first years of the struggle, from 1811 to 1814. The fall of Chile in the latter year only strengthened the bond. It was then seen to be an absolute necessity to both. Chile alone could not free herself from her oppressors, and Argentina, without her, had no military road by which she could reach her enemy, while she herself lay open to assault. The Argentine Republic undertook the conquest of Chile for three reasons. First, as a measure of self-defense. Second, to secure the dominion of the Pacific, as a means to the complete emancipation of South America, which was the third reason for, and the final object of, the undertaking. San Martin was the soul of the alliance. O'Higgins was the connecting link. The army of the Andes, the muscle and sinew, and the Lautaro Lodge, the secret mechanism. It was to establish this alliance that San Martin had so hurriedly left for Buenos Aires after the victory of Chacabuco. San Martin recrossed the Andes without other company than his favorite aide-de-camp O'Brien and a guide. As he left Mendoza on the 19th of March, he received a letter from Pueyrredon, telling him that a war was imminent with the Portuguese of the Banda Oriental, for which arms and money would be required from Chile, and that in a few days he expected five armed ships, which Carrera was bringing from North America, which he would send on to Valparaiso and place at his orders. The Portuguese had occupied the Banda Oriental in 1816 with the tacit connivance of the Argentine government, and Pueyrredon was at that time striving to avoid a rupture by diplomacy. But a war with the Portuguese formed no part of the plans of San Martin, who at the end of March reached Buenos Aires, and avoiding a triumphal entry which was preparing for him, went to business at once. Fifteen days afterwards he commenced his return journey, having made such arrangements as he could for the equipment and support of a naval squadron on the Pacific, promising, as general-in-chief, help from Chile to the extent of $300,000. Don José Miguel Carrera had, in the year 1815, managed to raise $20,000 among his personal friends in Buenos Aires, and with this had gone off to the United States to raise a naval squadron for an expedition to Chile. By lavish promises, he had prevailed upon some merchants in New York and Baltimore to sell him five ships, fully equipped, 
In one of these, the corvette Clifton, he reached Buenos Aires on the 9th of February, 1817. Pueyrredon not only refused to pay for the ships, but also prohibited the further progress of the expedition, knowing that the presence of the Carreras in Chile would be most prejudicial to the cause of the alliance. A few days afterwards, the brig Savage arrived from Baltimore, and Carrera formed a plan for escaping with the two ships, but his intention being denounced to Pueyrredon by one of the French adventurers who had come with him, he was arrested as a conspirator and confined in the Retiro barracks, where San Martin visited him on the 12th of April. Carrera haughtily refused to shake hands with him and rejected his repeated offers to arrange matters for him with Pueyrredon. They never met again. San Martin and Pueyrredon both wrote to O'Higgins proposing that Chile should pension the three brothers Carrera in recognition of their former services. But O'Higgins considered that such a measure would offer a reward to crime. Carrera soon afterwards escaped from prison and fled to Montevideo. Later on, he became conspicuous in the ranks of the enemies of Buenos Aires. On the 11th of May, San Martin was again in Chile, and was received in triumph at the capital. The enthusiasm of the people, being increased by the news received the same day of the victory of Las Eras at Gavilan. The same day, he sent his friend and aide-de-camp, Alvarez Condarco, off by way of Buenos Aires to London, with money to purchase another ship of war. Condarco had also another mission, which is enveloped in mystery, and is pointed to as a stain on the reputation of San Martin and O'Higgins. A certain sum was to be left in deposit in London for their private account. The documents relating to this matter are written in cipher, and have remained secret for more than sixty years. Only three persons have read them, of whom two are dead, the third is the author of this history. Translator's note. It appears that Condarco, when in London, purchased the ship Cumberland, mounting sixty guns, for $160,000, giving an order for that amount on the government of Chile, and paying as a deposit $25,000, which sum, being returned to him on payment of his draft, he placed in the hands of someone in whom he had confidence, on account of O'Higgins and San Martin. His confidence was misplaced. His English friend lost the money in gambling on the stock exchange, and San Martin found himself penniless when he landed in England in 1824. End of note. The amount cannot have exceeded $29,500, a sum which San Martin had most certainly earned, while the rigid exactness of all his dealings with public money placed in his hands is unquestioned. He steadily refused all recompense for his services. He did accept the hospitality of the city of Santiago when there, but the yearly expenses of his establishment did not exceed $3,000. In pursuance of the alliance, the government of Chile remitted $40,000 to Buenos Aires for the army of Upper Peru, and the Argentine government sent a thousand new muskets for the use of the Chilean army. The maintenance of the army of the Andes and the filling up of death vacancies was assumed by Chile, and there was no further question on either side of pecuniary responsibility. When O'Higgins, in April, went to take command of the Army of the South, he left Colonel Don Hilarion de la Quintana as his deputy at Santiago. Quintana was an Argentine, 
a family connection and an aide-de-camp of San Martin. Thus the supreme power in the state was made subject to Argentine influence, under the direction of the Lautaro Lodge. This appointment wounded the national susceptibilities of the people, was contrary to the policy adopted by the Argentine government, and provoked open declaration that, quote, Chile owed nothing to the army of the Andes, end quote. To destroy this impression, government, on establishing a military school, reserved twelve nominations of cadets for natives of the province of Cuyo, professing, quote, eternal gratitude to the illustrious peoples of the Rio de la Plata, end of quote. But international gratitude is always a burden, and the Chileans saw in it no reason for confiding the highest post in the state to a foreigner. Such was the position of affairs when San Martin returned from Buenos Aires. Quintana and O'Higgins then both wished him to take charge of the administration. He refused, and advised O'Higgins to appoint a Chilean in place of Quintana. One of the chief administrative acts of Quintana was to commence the coinage of Chilean money with an appropriate inscription indicative of the establishment of Chile as a sovereign state. $1,000 of this coinage were given to San Martin and Belgrano for distribution as medals among the Argentine troops. At that time, Pueyrredon appointed Don Tomas Guido Argentine representative in Chile, and his official reception at Santiago on the 17th of May was one of the great events of the year. Quintana, as one result of these renewed relations, sent Irizarri to Europe as the diplomatic agent of Chile, with instructions to act in conjunction with the diplomatic agent of the United Provinces, wherever he might be. Rivadavia was at that time Argentine representative in Europe, and to him were sent fresh powers and instructions to treat for the establishment of an independent monarchy in America. O'Higgins, from his headquarters at Concepcion, issued a decree creating a Legion of Merit, in imitation of the Legion of Honor created by Napoleon. This institution had an aristocratic tendency, as its members enjoyed special privileges. It was therefore unpopular, and the Argentine government would permit no privileges to such Argentine citizens as received the distinction. San Martin looked more favorably upon it, as it responded to his idea of creating a special military class, independent of local influences. One of the results of the restoration of Chile by Argentine arms was to give preponderance to one of the parties into which the country was divided. The Argentines, while recognizing the independence of the country and establishing a national government, had imposed a dictator upon the country, postponing indefinitely its constitutional organization. The government of O'Higgins had against it not only its old adversaries, but also a large number of Chileans, who were jealous of foreign influence. They took Carrera as their chief, and national autonomy as their watchword, while they were animated only by personal ambition. Doña Javiera de Valdez, sister of the Carreras, resided at that time in Buenos Aires. At her house there were daily meetings of Chilean emigrants, who were hostile to O'Higgins. Among them a plot was hatched. She herself was the life and soul of the conspiracy. It was decided that several of the conspirators should cross the Andes to prepare their friends in Chile for an outbreak, and should be followed by Don Luis and by Don Juan José Carrera, who should keep quiet until joined by Don José Miguel, 
who would go round Cape Horn from Montevideo in the ship General Scott, which he was expecting from New York. They thought they had only to land in the country to be received with acclamation and placed in charge of her destinies. All that they feared was the Argentine army, which was to be expelled, O'Higgins was to be banished from the country as a traitor, San Martin was to be tried by court-martial as a criminal, and all who resisted them were to be put to death. It was an absurd and criminal project, which, if only partially successful, would have ruined Chile for the second time. The first party of the conspirators crossed the Andes in July. Luis Carrera, disguised as a peon, was arrested at Mendoza for robbing the mails. Juan José, travelling under a false name and accompanied by a postboy, was caught in a hailstorm during the night near San Luis. The boy died, he was arrested on suspicion of murder, and afterwards sent on to Mendoza and imprisoned with his brother. Luthuriaga, governor of Mendoza, sent full accounts of these occurrences to Santiago. Meantime, the other conspirators had arrived at a farmhouse belonging to the Carrera family, and had been put under arrest as a measure of precaution, in consequence of warnings from Buenos Aires. These news from Mendoza made it certain that some conspiracy was on foot. Numerous arrests among the partisans of Carrera followed, the most notable among the prisoners being Dr. Don Manuel Rodriguez. Some said that the government was the author of the conspiracy. The general excitement was so great that Quintana could no longer maintain his position, and eventually Don Luis de la Cruz, a native Chilean chosen by the Lautaro Lodge, was appointed deputy director. San Martin, the guest of the Chilean people, residing in a palace, still continued the simple, hard-working manner of life he had adopted in Mendoza. He dined alone at 1 p.m., but at 4 p.m. a state dinner was served at which Guido presided. At dessert, he joined the company and took coffee with them. In the evening, his saloon was a favorite resort of the best society of the city, the soiree being invariably opened by singing the Argentine national anthem, after which San Martin led off the first minuet. These tertulias were celebrated in the society annals of the day, and not a few of the Argentine officers fell captive to the beauty and grace of the girls of Santiago, Las Eras and Guido among the numbers. San Martin had small sympathy for the Chilean people. Their manners and character did not please his austere mind, and he was not the sort of man to make many friends. In his own country he had but three, Belgrano, Pueyrredon, and Godoy Cruz. In Chile he had but one, O'Higgins. He also suffered much at this time from neuralgia and rheumatism, and could only sleep by an immoderate use of morphia. He thought that he could not live much longer. Those about him thought the same, and sent notice of their fears to Buenos Aires, in consequence of which General Antonio González Balcarce, the hero of Suipacha, was sent to join him as his second in command. In spite of his forebodings, San Martin did not falter in the prosecution of his great enterprise, and taking advantage of his friendship with Captain Bowles, commodore of the British Pacific Squadron, he sent, under his care, a trusty agent to Lima, with letters to the Viceroy proposing an exchange of prisoners. This he was anxious to effect, not only for the sake of the prisoners and their friends in both countries, but also for the purpose of procuring an official recognition of Chile as a belligerent power. But under these was a third purpose, 
to him of more importance than either of the others. His messenger was a confidential agent, who might thus have a pretext for meeting the leaders of the society in Lima, and opportunity for sounding them and for spreading among them the Argentine ideas of which he was the champion. End of chapter 16